Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, let's get into a Bible study. If you'd like, you can turn to John chapter 12. We will eventually get there. But what I'd like to do, as I did on Friday, is we're going to read through the resurrection. And what I do, you're not going to be able to follow along, because I took the four Gospels, blended them together. And not every single verse, but you'll get, you'll get the, the gist of it. And so we'll go with that, and then we'll get into a Bible study that I think is very, very applicable to the days we're living in. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we thank you for this resurrection day. If your son had not come, none of us would be here. We just thank you and praise you that your son did a work, a finished work on the cross, the spotless Lamb of God, the only human being that ever lived that had never sinned. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you that he came humbly to do something that we could never, ever do. Although we know billions and billions of people are trying to reach you through church, through religion, we know it's only through a personal relationship with your son, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for that, for opening our eyes. And, Lord, we pray for anyone in this room this morning. Maybe there's someone here who does not know Jesus. We pray that you would open their eyes. They know the name. They may have used it in a curse. But Lord, they don't have a personal relationship like all of us didn't. And one day we did. And we pray that this day would be for them, that they would open their eyes. So we pray for those who have maybe come back for whatever reason they left. You never left them. You've always been with them. Your Holy Spirit was there wooing them and convicting them. And here they are this morning. Lord, I thank you and praise you for that. And as your representative, I just want to let them know that you love them. You never stop loving them. And you're so happy that they're back. Lord, I just pray that they would really, really make that commitment sound in your word as we go over it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we even get into the scriptures, I do want to say that. I think it's very, very important um, that you know that God loves you. That is so important. Whatever your walk of life, wherever you've come from, first of all, God loves you. He loves 8 billion people. We are approaching 8 billion people. Now, religion will try to tell us differently, that you need to belong to a certain church or a certain denomination, or you need to be of a certain race or this or that. For God so loved the world, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That's still applicable today, 2,000 years later. Secondly, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. For all of mankind... But with what I just prayed, if you don't understand that and you don't have a relationship with God via Jesus, I just want you to know God sent his son to die for you very specifically, your name. For God so loved the world, you could put your name in there. It'd be totally appropriate. For God so loved Jim that he gave his only begotten son. It would be totally appropriate to put your name in there, to make it personal. That's how much he loves you. He died for you. But we have free will. And so you can reject him and we'll get to that. You can reject him, but don't blame God, because I just told you, he loves you, he sent his son to die for you, you can be forgiven, but you can reject him or you can accept him. So important as we get into the word. Maybe you've been away from the Lord for a while and and you've uh, come back. Praise God. He never left you. The enemy beat you up. You allowed the enemy to beat you up. That's what the scriptures teach us in Timothy. 
So you need to recover yourself. That's what the Bible says, that you need to recover yourself by surrendering your life anew, returning to God, and saying, I was wrong, not you. I was the one who walked away, not you. And he didn't. He never walked away, guys. You're sealed until the day of redemption. And so if that's you, we're glad you're here. Just surrender. Stop fighting. Just surrender. Well, now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? So again, don't try to find the scriptures. You can do this on your own. I took all four gospels, blended them together. You're going to waste time. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why? The angels, speaking to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which we believe this to be John, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. So that negates the shroud. So if you just read your Bible, all these things that come and go, they'll take care of themselves. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went again, away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, now there are many Marys in that day and age. 
And even today, there's similar names in this church, and sometimes we use tone to signify a difference between people, even though they might have the same name. That's what's taking place here. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they walked together, uh, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And Jesus said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to Jesus, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. From who? From Rome. Temporary. Temporary deliverance. Not from sin. Just from Rome. We want to be delivered from Rome. No. Indeed, besides all this, today, the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, unlearned ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. We need to take this to heart as this is going to be a part of our message today. We need to know the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Not, we're not going to know all of it. When I say that, it's impossible to know it all. But we need to be reading it so that we find ourselves living in the days we're living and we can go, this is what was spoken of. Israel becoming a nation. This is what was spoken of. Jerusalem becoming part of Israel. This is what was spoken of. The last days, in the days of Noah, in the days of Lot. Oh, this is what was spoken of. So that we don't panic and fear, but that we remain calm and go, this is supposed to be, this has to happen. Just like Jesus says, this has to happen. Foolish ones. He's not putting things, he's saying unlearned, which means they weren't studying. They had a different perspective of the Messiah, a temporary one instead of an eternal one. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What a study that would have been. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, 
for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now, and it came to pass as they sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, listen to what you're, this should be you and I these days that we're living in. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? My heart's burning for Jesus to come back. The government's going to do what the government's going to do. I voted. I'm praying for them. I'm going to do what I can do. But my heart's not burning over the government. My heart's burning over the Lord. That's where I want you guys to be. Get away from all this nonsense. We got to go through it. Keep your heart in the word of God. Hmm. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. How many miles? Seven miles. Their feet touched the dirt and they were flying and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Then that same day at evening, being the first day of the week, which would be Sunday, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. That's going to play into our study. For fear of the religious elite. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So on the night of the resurrection, they physically became born again. They were believers. But as you read your scriptures, you're going to find out that they lived in fear for the next 50 days. Fear of whom? Fear of the Roman government. Fear of the religious elite. Fear of their own Jewish neighbors. Because what they were doing was they were going to be proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Christ. He is the one that is written, risen. You see, it's so important to rehearse what took place on this wonderful resurrection morning because it is obviously the foundation of a believer's faith. Look at John chapter 12, and we'll look at verses 23 and 24 for now. But Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, John 12, 24, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, and living out here in Queen Creek, you see crops, if you leave them in a bucket, they're not going to do anything. You put them in the ground, water them, we got plenty of sun, right? Up comes the product. The product. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. I believe that Jesus here is that grain of wheat, and from his death and resurrection, the church was birthed 2,000 years ago. But there had to be a death. Without a death, there could be no resurrection. 
Again, remember these key phrases I'm emphasizing with my tone because they are going to play into our study. And because of that one piece of grain which the Jewish religious leaders mocked and ridiculed on Friday, walking by the cross, he saved others, he can't save himself. Well, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross and then we'll believe. That one grain has produced an abundance over the centuries. Hundreds, think about it, hundreds of millions Hundreds of millions of people have accepted Jesus as their Savior. And some of those people are right here this morning. You might think, well, you're way off right there, pal. Hundreds of millions. Well, if you do a little research, they estimate. They don't know for sure, but they estimate over the last 50 years that there's at least, at least 100, 100 million believers in China. 100 million believers in China the underground church, just in the last 50 years. So I'm not overestimating anything by saying there's a few hundred million that have accepted Jesus Christ over the last 2,000 years. There's going to be hundreds of millions of people in heaven. But if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, as I said in the very beginning, you have free will. If you haven't received Jesus as your Savior... You are saying, I don't want your Bible, I don't want your Jesus, I don't want your doctrine, I'll take my chances, I'll go to hell on my own. That's what you're saying. God sends no one to hell. So as we remember our Lord's death on Friday evening, we celebrate his resurrection on this biblical first day of the week, Sunday. Now let's look at verses 42 through 50, and that's going to be our main text this morning. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. This is for you and me in 2021. There's a cancel culture that is taking place within our society, and unfortunately, most of it is based on lies and misinformation. Are we starting to see this happening towards the church? Has the church been canceled over this last year for unscientific purposes? Uh, There were several families here this morning at sunrise, and one of them stayed afterwards from California, And they said, you have no idea how hard it's been the last year. Lockdown, mask, not being able to go out and do hardly anything, not gathering for church. He said, it has been horrible. In in where? Right next door in California. Has the church been canceled? Unscientifically? Yes, it has. Oh, that'll never happen. Not in America. You better wake up. It's already happened. The stats don't lie, but those who have an agenda have no issue with lying to the masses to prolong a narrative of fear. When it first happened last year, we had our Sunday morning right out here. There was like six of us, and we did it over the web, and we did our services over the web because nobody knew. So we all took caution. Every church, yeah, we, yeah well, let's be wise. We don't know what this is. Let's wait and figure out. Okay, let's see what's going on. After a few weeks, after a few more weeks, and then after I started getting online, started looking at the stats, started looking at what was going on, I said, no, we're opening up. Mother's Day of last year, we opened up. All the ministries, full bore. Yes, we separated the chairs. 
Yes, we washed our hands. Yes, if you want to wear a mask. Even to this day, if you want to wear a mask, this is not about mask or vaccine, just so you know. As you get into this study, this is not about mask or vaccine. This is about your personal walk. This is my personal walk with Jesus Christ. That's what this study is really about. So, so don't, don't even go the mask or vaccine routine, because it's not. But is the church going to be canceled? As believers, I believe our biblical faith is going to be tested like never before here in America. I'm not being dramatic, not being theatrical. I'm just trying to warn you of what's taking place. As Bible-believing Christians, we are going to be targeted for our belief system, not necessarily for our political affiliation. That's already taking place. But for our stance in biblical truth. And if we allow our spiritual enemy to bring us into bondage of fear, then we will have surrendered our faith to the pressures of the world. Do I have any proof by that statement? I'm glad you asked. As legal and cultural fighting continues over religious convictions and the LGBTQ rights, America's largest Christian adoption agency, Bethany Christian Services, has decided to change a long-standing policy and begin placing children with LGBT parents for foster care and adoption through all its offices in 32 states. Christianity Today reported on Monday. This is Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. Bethany's Christi- Bethany Christian's new policy announcement comes two years after the agency lost a discrimination lawsuit filed against it in Michigan. In light of the outcome of that case, the agency decided to work with LGBT parents in the state rather, are you paying attention? Rather than give up on government funding to help thousands of children in foster care. Let me see. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. But because of the government, they did not confess Jesus as Lord, lest they should be put out. Where's God? Can God not provide? I think God can provide. But if God's going to provide, we need to take a step. Announcing the agency's decision to extend Michigan's policy to all 32 states in which it has offices and acknowledging it may appear a departure from Christian values to some. Bethany's president, Chris Pulaski, stated in an email to employees, in quotes, Bethany remains steadfast in its Christian faith. According to Pulaski's email, the change of direction will enable the agency to expand on its mission, in quotes, to provide safe, loving, and stable homes to as many vulnerable children as possible. Christian Today reports. Christianity Today reports. Now again in quotes, we will now offer services with the love and compassion of Jesus to the many types of families who exist in our world today. 
Uh, what is the biblical family? One genetic male and one genetic female. Married. That's family. Even before kids, if you don't have children, you're a family. Kids come along, so do a lot of problems. They just grow the family. But you know, you're, you're a family. That's what makes up a family. We're taking an all-hands-on-deck approach where all are welcome. Guys, this is real. Your Christian faith is going to be challenged. And you're going to have to decide, who am I going to trust in? Who am I going to trust in? Am I going to trust in God or am I going to trust in the government? Am I going to trust in a 501c3 status? I've said this many times over the last 18 years. When the government comes to take away our 501c3 status... Bye-bye. If you're giving just for a write-off, keep your money. God don't need it. And I don't see who gives, and I don't know what people give. It doesn't matter to me. It's your relationship with God, not mine. My relationship, I donate to the church. I want the gospel to go out. You have to make your own decision on what you want to do. The government can have it. Take the 501c3. Oh, you're going to start taxing me? Oh, my. I think Jesus said, give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar's. Take it. God is going to replenish it. Don't worry. I'm not trusting in you. I'm trusting in him. Just like adults, corporations, as well as some churches are falling in line due to the social influence of the cancel culture, believers will fall in line as well if we're not engaged in the spiritual warfare that is taking place. Everyone desires to be liked and spoken well of. I mean, no one is, is really seeking after a label attached to their name, especially if it's a negative label. Oh, you're a racist. Oh, you're a homophobiac. Oh, you hate people. Nobody wants to hear that. Many Christians would rather have the praise of society or family members or those who really shouldn't have any influence over our lives, but we allow them to. So as we look at this verse, let's read it again. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, so they have a couple questions for us this morning. But because of the Pharisees, so because of our family members, because of the government, because of our coworkers, uh, because of whoever, they did not confess Jesus, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men or mankind more than the praise of God. So here's a couple questions for us this morning that we all need to ask ourselves, myself included. Do I love the praise of mankind more than the praise of God? I encourage you to think about that this week. And the next question, would I rather have people like me because I'm not taking a stand for Christ? Is that really what I want at my memorial service? Did a memorial service yesterday, and what a great testimony. The guy lived like a heathen for decades, came to know Christ, and he was sold out for Jesus. Witnessing, two amputations, 26 heart attacks, multiple surgeries, but he was going to the hospital and witnessing to other amputees, encouraging them and strengthening them that, hey, God loves you, Jesus loves you, God has a plan for you. Don't ever give up, guys. He didn't give up. He knew Christ, and he was showing it. He exemplified it. So what am I going to do? What are you going to do? This is what we've been anticipating for decades now, the last days. And now that we're in it, some Christians are like, no, what are we going to do? Get your head in the Bible, that's what you do. 
Jesus is coming back. The last days are upon us and we have a decision to make. We're either going to take a stand, no matter what the cost, or hide in fear because of the cost. Think about that. Let it sink in. Do family members mean more than Christ to you? They don't to me. I'm not hard. I just love Jesus more. All my family can go away. That's fine with me. I'll be grieved over it. I'll be sad over it. But I'm not giving up on Jesus, guys. And I encourage you not to take that same stance. Your job, jobs come and go. I was looking for one when I came, right? You'll be looking for one when you leave. God knows how to take care of you. And again, I'm not talking about mask or vaccine. I'm talking about your Christian faith. Guys, our Christian faith is on trial. You now have the largest agency, adoption agency in the country saying, we're opening our arms. What about that Christian agency that says, we're not opening our arms. We believe in the gospel and family is one male, one female, married. What's going to happen to that agency? Mocked, ridiculed, you're hateful, you're bigots, you're homophobiacs, you don't love people. Why? Because this Christian agency over here loves everybody no matter what they are. And again, God loves every single person, so don't come up afterwards. God loves the trans, God loves the homosexual, God loves the politician, God loves the fornicator. It's hard to believe God loves politicians, but he does. God loves the politicians. God loves everybody. So don't stay focused on the bottom line. It's our faith. Are we willing to give up everything we have? If you've been doing the daily reading, Saul just gave up everything he had the last two days in our readings. And he was at the top. He was a Pharisee, a Pharisee studied under Gamaliel. He would, Gamaliel is one of the seven greatest rabbis still to this day in all of Jewish history. Saul would have been there. He would have been one of the greatest rabbis in all Jewish history. He gave it all away. It cost him everything. And he didn't look back. He did not look back. Let's look at verses 44 and 45. John chapter 12. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. So let's break this down in case there's an unbeliever or a young believer here. He's speaking about his father. You'll see. He who believes in me, so a person that believes in Jesus, believes not in Jesus, but in God who sent Jesus. You could, read, you could put that in there. Totally appropriate. And he who sees Jesus sees God who sent Jesus. Very, very important. You see, once again, Jesus, but for the last time publicly, declares that he and his father are one. The two are inseparable. And anyone who says, please listen to this. And anyone who says that they know God, but deny that Jesus is the son of God, does not know either one. Ooh, man, how could you say that? I mean, the Pope, he's got everybody up on the altar. You're bigger than the Pope? I think I'm 6'2". I think the Pope's about 5'10". So yeah, I'm taller than the Pope. (laughs) Look at John chapter 5. Look at John chapter 5. We always want to go back to the Bible. You always want to go back to the Bible. 
You see, when the Pope says that Islam, Roman Catholicism, Judaism, we all worship the same God? No. Not even close. No. No, 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 no. We have to speak the truth in love. Not even close. John chapter 5, verse 18. If you're new or visiting, we encourage you to have a Bible. We always put up slides. The team does a great job of putting up slides. Little white cross is where you're roughly going to find it in your Bible. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill Jesus because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Does, that need any, does anybody need that interpreted to them? I think that's pretty simple, right? You can all interpret that. Yet the Mormons will come and knock on the door and they'll say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus is God and nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus proclaimed he was God. And because most people don't know the Bible, they just kind of stand there and go, oh, okay. Here's some verses. They always carry a Bible with them, King James Version, in their backpack. Ask them for that Bible. That way they can't get away. And then you turn to John chapter 5. And you read them the word of God. And you ask them to interpret it. How do you misinterpret that? God was my father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, so Jesus is watching the father, whatever, for whatever he does, the father does, the son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Notice that. We are going to stand before Jesus Christ. Now as believers, we're going to stand at the Bema seat. Not for salvation, that's off the table. The reward seat of Christ, we're going to heaven, praise God. But what are we taking with us? Gold, silver, precious stone, or hay, wood, and stubble? The hay, wood, and stubble, according to Corinthians, is going to get burned up. Gold, silver, precious stones, that's the reward. We don't know what we're going to do with those rewards. Lay them at his feet for sure. But verse 23, why? That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Notice what is said here. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. He's the spirit brother of Lucifer, Mormonism. That's not an honoring title. He's the spirit brother of Lucifer, a fallen angel? That's who you're telling me Jesus is? Yes, that's who Jesus is. You're not honoring the Son. So you definitely don't know God. Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh, your reincarnation of Michael the Archangel? That's who Jesus is? He's an angel? That's the best you got? We don't worship the same God. Islam? Great prophet. Matter of fact, he's in our Quran. And he is. The name Jesus, he's, he's in the Quran. But he's just a great prophet. He's not the son of God. You're taking away the deity, the deity, the deity. So don't tell me we worship the same God. We don't. We do not. Absolutely not. Well, are there any other verses that might solidify this or make it more clear? How about 1 John 2, 22 and 23? I think we have them on a slide. Man, God is not politically correct. The Holy Spirit inspired John to write, who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. 
I take the Mormons to this verse. You've got to speak the truth in love. I don't ridicule them. I don't mock them. I'm not putting them down. But I try to honestly and sincerely, lovingly say, guys, 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 there's truth in a lie. Either I have the truth and I'm a liar, or you have the truth and you're a liar, but somebody's got to be lying here. So let's just go to the Bible and see what the Bible tells us. He is Antichrist. Who denies the Father and the Son? You can't say we worship God, but take away the deity of Jesus. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Pretty self-explanatory. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Praise God. That's what it's all about. You see, we are celebrating the risen Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. This resurrection has changed the course of history, and no one... Very important. No one should ever try to dilute that fact. If we're trusting in the government more than God, we're diluting the fact that God is God. No, the governments are God. No. But the resurrection will cost the believer something, if not everything. In the next few years, we may lose family members over our faith. You take the position that marriage is between one male, genetic male, one genetic female, you are going to lose family members. You are, you are a right-wing radical. You are an extremist. You have a problem. We may lose a job over our faith. Oh, here in America, that will never happen. It's happening. It's happening. The baker in Colorado who won who years ago won the decision from the Supreme Court 7-2 to two, that you can't make him bake a cake contrary to his conscience? There's still, the day after he won that with the Supreme Court, a transgender lawyer went to his shop and asked him to bake him a cake for his party. He said, no, I will not. The lawyer sued him and started all over again. This guy has found no relief. I think it's been about eight or nine years now. Christian man who's not giving in. He's saying, no, I will not give in. This is reality. It's happening in our society. We may lose our supposable reputation over our faith. You see, the line has been drawn and our spiritual enemy is going to continue the attack, but even with more intensity. You have to be ready to take a stand. Luke eleven twenty three says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. I want to be with the Lord. I want to bring people to Jesus. Might lose everybody else, but if I bring one to the Lord in that process, praise God. How about verses 20, 46 and 47 back in John chapter 12? John 12, 46, 47. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in the darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, again, for you this morning, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus and you're sitting there going, I can't wait till this is over, what's for lunch? This is for you. This, this verse is specifically for you. Because it says, you do not believe? If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to the judge the world, but to save the world. You see, he is the light. 
and his words are truth. Let's define this a little more. Let's look at John chapter 3. Just turn to your left a few pages. John chapter 3, so we can make this absolutely clear. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read it again. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So we don't have to abide in darkness. We don't have to have fellowship with darkness. And, and initially, when we're, when we're born again, we're still, there's a lot of darkness for most of us. And you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work that out of your life. And it may take you know, weeks and months, sometimes even years. But if you surrender, the Holy Spirit's going to work it out. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. In John chapter 3, 18, he who believes in me is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. You see, I was born with a sinful nature. So even though I went to church every Sunday and punched the clock, I was living in condemnation. If I would have died, I would have went to hell. I heard the word of God, but I rejected it, and I wanted to live like the devil. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And then one day, a brother came to me and said, hey, you need Jesus. He explained the gospel. I received Jesus as my Savior in the spring of 1978, and now I no longer live under condemnation, ever, ever. God sees me as holy and unblameable. And this is the condemnation, verse 19, that the light has come into the world, and men or mankind, that word men there is mankind, And men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Are we seeing this more and more in our society? Trying to confuse kindergarten children, children about their gender? Oh, you really don't know if you're a boy. Oh, you really don't know if you're a girl. You might be something different. What? You're a boy or you're a girl. That's all there is. But this is our society For everyone practicing evil hates the light. So we shouldn't be surprised that we're hated because we are the light. Jesus said, you are the light. You are the salt. Get out there, plant, water, fertilize, pray with someone to receive him. And does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may clearly be seen that they have been done in God. Back in John 4, 12, 48, John 12, 48, he who rejects me, so again, to the unbeliever, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. I have this next part of the verse highlighted. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. You see, if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus as your savior, then you've rejected Jesus and his resurrection power. You have not rejected Calvary Chapel. You've rejected Jesus. You've not rejected me. You've rejected Jesus. You've not rejected your family members. You're rejecting Jesus. You're not rejecting heaven. You're embracing hell. You'd rather be living in the darkness than walking in the light. Because the word of God is what illuminates our path so that we might walk in right standing. Right standing with God. And the word of God, which you have been hearing this morning, is what will judge you and send you to your eternal state, heaven or hell. So guys, get this perfectly clear. God sends no one to hell. It's your decision. You've heard the truth. You can verify it yourself. You can study to make sure I didn't twist the scriptures, take them out of context. 
And you will find that Jesus is the son of God and he died for you, he loves you. You have to make that decision. And by the way, if you make no decision, that's a decision. That is a decision. The resurrection is a fact, not a theory, not a fanciful story, but a fact. Matter of fact, there's hundreds of, hundreds of eyewitnesses and you can check the list out, partial list, in 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 49 and 50, as we get ready to wrap it up here, John chapter 12, 49 and 50. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. You see, Jesus has submitted to the will of the Father and accomplished the Father's will by teaching and preaching the gospel. And that gospel brings eternal life to all who accept it. But again, let's wrap it up with John 11. Are there some other verses that will really wrap this together, especially on this morning? And John 11 is a story of Jesus with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, a very close friend, family and friends in, La, in uh, Bethany. And Mary and Martha sent a, a messenger to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, come quickly. My brother, he's not doing well. He's not doing well. And Jesus hesitated. Matter of fact, he didn't come until the fourth day. Why would the scripture say the fourth day? Why would it be that specific? Why not just say, and a few days later, Jesus came. Well, because in that day and age, in the Jewish culture, they had a lot of superstitions. John chapter 9. Is this, born, is this guy born blind because of his sins or his parents' sins? Hello? He's born blind, so he sinned in the womb? Or his parents sinned, and that's why he's born blind? Superstition. Well, one of their superstitions was when a person died, their spirit roamed for three days on the earth, and on the fourth day, the spirit was committed to heaven or to hell. Cannot get out. It's a done deal. When did Jesus raise Lazarus? The fourth day. The fourth day. To show that he is God. That he is God. And the Bible says to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. We instantly go to heaven as believers. We will instantly go to hell as unbelievers. Instantly. There's no bright light at the end of the tunnel and it's a train. No. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You take your last breath, you're going to wake up in heaven or hell because you are going to get a spiritual body. So John eleven twenty five says this, and Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. 10 out of 10 people still die today. It's an amazing fact. Of COVID or something else, but they die. You're going to die. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Huh? I thought everybody died. Well, again, I'm not a Greek scholar. You can get the books, look this up, and you'll find as you look this up, those words mean perish, eternal separation from God. So yes, you are going to die, but because you believe in Jesus, you're not going to perish. You're not going to be eternally separated from God. Do you believe this? Notice what this says. Notice what this says. Women, men, the Bible lifts up women. I was born in 60, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, you can figure it out, 61. So in the 60s and 70s, what did we have? The women's liberation. We're going to be set free. These boots are made for walking. That's what it's all about. I'm going to be set free. And now what are we doing? We're welcoming trans males to compete 
against females and ruin their chance for scholarships, ruin their chance for records because of science? Uh, No, no, not at all. So we have to take a stand and realize the Bible sets us free. Notice what she says here. She said to Jesus, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ. Now again, Greek, New Testament, Christ means the anointed one. Old Testament, Hebrew, Messiah, Mashiach, the anointed one. Exact same title, the anointed one. So what did this woman just say? You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. When did Jesus first tell anyone? Do you all know when Jesus first told anyone that he was the Messiah? Anybody know? It's in the Gospel of John. Does anybody know? Anybody want to venture a guess? Was it a male or a female? It was a female. Woman at the well. Who had five husbands. Divorced five times. Was curly shacking up with a guy having fornication, having sex outside of marriage. And Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. The first one, a woman. Who who came to the tomb, by the way? Who came to the tomb? Bunch of women. Where were the guys? (laughs) You want to go to the tomb? I'm not going to the tomb. You want to go to the tomb? I'm not going to the tomb. Let's send some women to the tomb. Great idea. That was a good idea. Yeah. Send the women. So who's the first to see Jesus? A woman. Ladies, get over it. The Bible lifts you up. The Bible says we're co-equal in Christ. There's no difference between male, female, Jew, Greek, slave, free. We're all co-equal in Christ. Don't buy into this garbage. It's garbage. Yet this is where we're heading as a society. So what do we got to do? Get on our knees and say, God, use me. Help me to save somebody. I know you love the trans. I know that you love the homosexual. I know you love the pedophile. I know you love the adulterer. I know you love the fornicator. I know you love my neighbor. I know you love my family members. God, use me. Please use me. Guys, forget all the other nonsense, the mask, the vaccine, the this, the that. We've only got so many days left. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back, guys. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples, foolish ones, unlearned ones? It's in the scriptures that Jesus is coming back right on time. Don't be caught unlearned. Study. Show yourself approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. And go out and preach the gospel in a loving way this week. Father, we thank you and praise you for allowing us the privilege the privilege to be called ambassadors. Ambassadors. We have the blessed news in our hands. So Lord, help us this week as we say thank you for saving us. We just don't want to say thank you and then put it on the shelf. We want to go out there and water and fertilize and and plant. And Lord, if it's your will, we would love to pray with someone this week in in, in a store at a gas station, anywhere, Lord. We'd love to pray with someone to receive your son. But we can't do it if we're not available. So, Lord, help us to be available. 
Help us to spend less time on the news and more time in the word. That we might know these days were prophesied of. And they will come to pass. Your son will come back. And it will be as it was in the days of Noah. It will be as it was in the days of Lot. Jesus promised that. So we're grieved. We're deeply grieved. But help us not to live in fear. Help us not to forsake more often the assembling of ourselves together where we get stronger, where we can pray together, where we can carry each other's burdens, where we can take each other to the throne of grace to find help in that time of need. Father, it's going to be a tough year, tougher than this past one. Our faith is on trial. Help us to stand strong via your Holy Spirit. Father, we cannot do it on our own. We need more of your Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and that we will take a stand and not give in to the government, not to give in to family members, not to give in to our mates, not to forsake you, Father, for anyone, but that we'll put you first and everyone else below. For you are God. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, maybe, you're, you know, maybe someone's here this morning as the saints are praying, and maybe you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, just pray this simple prayer. It's not necessarily about the prayer. It's about your heart. If you right now say, you know what? I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I want to get right with God. How can I do that? This is how you do it. You just pray this simple prayer between God and you, and I may never see you again. Just pray this simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner, which means I'm a sa- I need a Savior. So I, I heard the word this morning, and I'm going to trust in what the word says, that your son is God, and that your son died for me. So I repent. I turn to you, Father. I turn from my sins and I turn to you. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask Jesus to be my Savior. I invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life. I don't understand this, but Your Holy Spirit is going to show me in the word and through prayer and through other Bible-believing Christians what this all means, what this commitment means. So I just say thank you, Father, that I can now literally call you my Father. You're my dad, Abba. Abba, Father. Thank you for accepting me. I'm now your son, I'm now your daughter, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this time again. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Give us strength to be in the battle, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. Thanks for coming out. Happy Resurrection Day. If you need prayer for anything, please come. We'd love to pray for you. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, please come up. I may never ever see you again, but I want to rejoice with you that you made that decision. It's the best decision you have ever made. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, 
or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.